Life Audio. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? Or have you been in a season where it feels like He's completely silent? Have you been praying for a way to learn how to hear His voice more clearly? Hey friends, I'm Rachel, host of the Hearing Jesus Podcast. If you are ready to grow in your faith and to confidently step into your identity in Christ, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we are in Matthew 25 and we are continuing. We're actually almost to the end of our introduction to the gospel series where we're going through the gospel of Matthew and I'm giving some insight, some history, some culture, some background. And I pray that this is a blessing for you. It's not ever to replace your Bible reading, but really to supplement it. If you would like to dig a little bit deeper, we have a couple resources available for you. On our Patreon page, we have ad-free episodes. We have journaling prompts. We have family discussion guides. I even have a kids episode that explains the content in kid-friendly ways and lots of extra bonuses. You can check out the show notes for a link. And then we also have a Facebook group and we have a website with lots of other resources, lots of things for you to check out. So I'm reading from the NASB. That's my personal favorite. And I'm starting at verse one in chapter 25. It says, then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the groom. Five of them were foolish and five were prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they did not take extra oil with them. But the prudent ones took oil and flasks with their lamps. Now, while the groom was delaying, they all became drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight, there finally was a shout. Behold, the groom come out to meet him. Then all those virgins got up and trimmed their lamps. But the foolish virgins said to the prudent ones, give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. However, the prudent ones answered, No, there most certainly would not be enough for us and you too. Go instead to the merchants and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the groom came. And those who were ready went in and with him to the wedding feast, and the door was shut. Yet later the other virgins also came, saying, Lord, Lord, open up for us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Be on the alert then, because you do not know the day nor the hour. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. The one who had received the five talents immediately went and did business with them and earned five more talents. In the same way, the one who had received the two talents earned two more. But he who received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have earned five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things and enter the joy of your master. Also, the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have earned two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter the joy of your master. Now the one who had received the one talent also came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. And I was afraid, so I went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you still have what is yours. 
But his master answered and said to him, You worthless, lazy slave, did you know that I reap where I do not sow and gather where I did not scatter seed? Then you ought to put my money in the bank. On all my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take the talent away from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more shall will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. And throw the worthless slave into the outer darkness. And in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So this parable is about the kingdom of heaven. Actually, both of these parables are and the parable before it also was. And so it's in a series where Jesus is teaching about this posture of readiness being prepared for his return. And so this first parable is about the kingdom of heaven, where Jesus uses the example of bridesmaids. They're called virgins, and that simply means that they were likely teenagers and they were not married yet. Weddings at that time frame were held toward the evening and torches were used. It says lamps sometimes, depending on the translation you're using, but torches were used as part of the celebration. And there would be a procession that would lead the bride towards the groom's house. And so for many people, those torches would have been six wrapped with oil-soaked rags. And in even now in modern times or even more recent times, a lot of villages in that part of the world would have that same tradition held where the wedding feast would occur at night after a day of dancing. And then the bridesmaids would leave the bride and where they were staying and they would go out and they would meet the bridegroom with torches. And then they would escort him back to where his bride was. And then they would all go together to the groom's home. So these torches could not burn indefinitely. So most scholars kind of agree that if they only had that initial set of oil, it would only burn for about 15 minutes. But if they had new oil, they could add new oil and that could last for several hours. And so if the bridegroom delayed or didn't show up for a longer period than what they initially anticipated, those lamps would not last unless they had this extra reserve of oil. They had to be prepared with extra oil. And that honestly was very, very commonplace where the bridegrooms would be late and they would be announced that they were coming and they're coming, they're on their way. But it wasn't exact science. It wasn't like they had text message like like we do and could just say, hey, I'm on my way. No, you might know that he's coming, but does he stop to get something to eat? Does he stop for a drink of water? Does he stop along the way? Travel was not an exact science then. So it really meant that these virgins, these bridesmaids had to be ready with extra oil. They needed sufficient oil to keep these torches lit during this whole evening and that entire procession to get to the groom's home and even through the dancing. It it was a very long evening. Trying to share the oil would have left too little oil for any of the torches and it would have ruined the entire wedding ceremony. So while you might initially think, well, why couldn't they just have shared a little bit of oil? Well, if the girls that weren't prepared took oil from the girls that would prepare, there would not be a wedding ceremony. It would have been ruined because there would not have been enough for any of the torches to last through the night. And at that time of night, it would have been difficult to find dealers in oil, although there might have been some shops if they were near like a bigger city or something. But if the bridesmaids did not plan ahead, they were going to be late, even if they stopped to buy oil from any kind of dealers that were on the way. And so these young women were supposed to meet the bridegroom And then they would go and they would get the bride from her home. And and as they were going along this procession, they would have these torches lit the entire time. 
the bridesmaids that were not prepared, they missed the whole thing. They missed the procession back to the groom's house, which that was their primary role. And they missed the singing. They missed the dancing. And the whole point was the Jewish wedding. And the whole job that they had was to bring the bride under the groom's wedding canopy. And they missed the boat. They missed the entire job that they were specifically chosen to do. And then those words that they hear at the end where he says, I do not know you. That could be used in that culture as a deliberate refusal to recognize someone, even if they were known. And so you have to think about the culture that they were in. It was a shame-based culture. And so if they heard those words, I do not know you from someone that they knew, it would have carried shame with them for quite a long time. This whole story to the original hearers that Matthew was speaking to, that Jesus was speaking to, they would have been shocked by this story because it was so opposite of what they knew to be the, the norm within their culture. And then weddings typically lasted seven days. Most of the village would be welcome. And these girls who everyone knew were supposed to be there, if they were unwelcome, they would be the victim of gossip for quite a few years because of this foolish behavior. And so what Jesus is saying is the kingdom of heaven is going to be like that. See, in the Old Testament, it portrayed Yahweh, God, as the husband of his people, his bride, Israel, which then, of course, means that Jesus is now referring to himself as the groom. And he's basically saying, y'all need to be ready because I'm coming back. And the watchful bridesmaid, being a bridesmaid itself was a great honor, but to be unprepared was an insult to the groom and the bride. And this was essentially something that would have been a nightmare for these young girls. And the point that he's making is that people that are believers that are saying, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus, they need to endure in faith to the very end and be prepared for his return. This parable, like I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, and the one before it, and the one that we're going to talk about now, the next one, they're all talking about hell being the result of not being prepared. And it's not that you have to have all your ducks in a row and you have to constantly be on guard. It's talking about salvation. And then when that door shut in this parable, it's also representing hell. So when he's saying those words, I don't know you, that's a rejection that doesn't have to happen. It's a result of someone not having a real relationship with Jesus. And so this parable is Jesus telling us all to be watchful and faithful at all times so that we are ready for his return. And so we've been talking about that posture of readiness because we don't know exactly when that's going to happen. And then Jesus says, it's just like this other story. And so he goes on and talks about the use of our time. So he's talking about the well-to-do, the, the, the rich masters that would own these land pieces. And they would often go on a long journey. Sometimes they would go and they would see their other properties elsewhere, or sometimes they were attached to the government. So they would have an assignment to do, or they had various roles, different leadership roles within the community. And of course, remember at that time frame, transportation was very uncertain. And even if you planned out your trip really, really well, you really couldn't anticipate weather or, you know, a caravan coming through or all sorts of different things. And so, the people that were wealthy that owned these pieces of land, they would depend on their accountants to multiply their capital and they would have workers. Sometimes they would be free. And what we see here in this passage is they were slave workers and slave workers in that time could be managers of states. They could earn money. They could even buy property. And so 
when it talks about slavery, he's almost talking about like a low paid wage worker or a servant. It's not necessarily what we would think of as slavery. So when it says slave, don't don't be thrown off by that. But basically what would happen is they would be responsible for the money. Now, when it talks about talents, talents, you know, in different time frames, it would have a different amounts of value. But what we estimate is that 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 first set, that value would be around 30 to 50,000. The second value, the two talents would have been about 12 to 20,000. And then the third value would have been six to 10,000. So, and that was in denarii. And so since a denarius was an average day's wage for people, even calling six to 10,000 a small sum meant that that person was a very, very rich individual. And in this time frame, not a lot of people had extra money laying around. They didn't have in money that they could use to invest at a profit. So if they had money and they were able to lend money at interest, that was really profitable for them. And they knew that. I mean, at that time frame, it was normal for about 12% to be the interest that you could earn. But there are stories of people even earning up to 50% when they lent money to a city. And so there was a lot of money to be made, even just simply by interest. And so that was one of the safest even if it wasn't as profitable, one of the safest ways of protecting your money was to lend it out. Now, the safest way, I guess you could say, is what the the last guy did, and he just buried it in the ground. And it's interesting because sometimes they will still even find money buried in grounds in that part of the world because that's a very, very common practice that people would do. They would put the money in the ground. And we talked about that even on the kids show. I would encourage you to check that out. But if you didn't bury it in the ground and you just put it in the bank or you just lend it out, you could improve on your investment and you could walk away with even more. And so everybody in that culture knew that. And so when the master came back and he finds out that this servant, all he did was bury the money, at the very least, he could have made interest on it, just putting it in the bank and just leaving it there, not touching it. And basically what that means is this servant just did not care what happened to the master's property. And so it wasn't just that he was being harsh and he didn't multiply the, the earnings. Instead, he just didn't care. He put it in the ground and he forgot about it. What this is saying and what it points out at the end and what Jesus points out at the end is he's talking about that darkness. That darkness is again used as an image for hell. And so there's this call to faithfulness to use what we have been given for the work of the kingdom while we are waiting for that final day. Both of these passages are talking about this posture of readiness. We are to be ready while we are waiting. We are to be good stewards of the time and the resources and the roles that God has given us while we're waiting. And one of the things I always like to remind people is that waiting time is training time. You know, there's this longing within the body of Christ right now that I feel like I, I sense and I hear all the time is I'm just waiting for Jesus to come back. Well, while that's true, you still have a job to do in the meantime, to be faithful with the role that God has given you, to be faithful with the blessings that God has given you, to be faithful with the money and the finances and the resources that God has given you. So while we are waiting, we are still working and operating within the bounds of the kingdom to make and amplify the kingdom. So given that insight, I'm going to go back and reread the beginning part of Matthew chapter 25. Then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the groom. 
five of them were foolish and five were prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they did not take extra oil with them, but the prudent ones took oil and flasks with their lamps. Now, while the groom was delaying, they all became drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight, there finally was a shout, Behold the groom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins got up and trimmed their lamps. But the foolish virgins said to the prudent ones, Give us some of your oil, because our lamps are going out. However, the prudent ones answered, No, there most certainly would not be enough for us and you too. Go instead to the merchants and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the groom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast, and the door was shut. Yet later the other virgins also came, saying, Lord, Lord, open up for us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Be on the alert then, because you do not know the day nor the hour. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey, who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. The one who had received the five talents immediately went and did business with them and earned five more talents. In the same way, the one who had received the two talents earned two more. But he who received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have earned five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter the joy of your master. Also the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have earned two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter the joy of your master. Now the one who had received the one talent also came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. And I was afraid, so I went and hid your talent in the ground. See, you still have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You worthless, lazy slave. Did you not know that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter seed? Then you ought to have put my money in the bank, and upon my arrival I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore take the talents away from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But for the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away, and throw the worthless slave into the outer darkness in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray. God, help us to recognize the ways that you've called us to be in this posture of readiness for your kingdom, for your return. Lord God, help us to be faithful stewards of the time and the resources and the words that you have given us in this waiting, even as we are longing for your return. God, help us to recognize the roles you've given us, the finances, the blessings you've given us that are to be used for your glory and your kingdom. God, we recognize that you are the owner of all those things, that our ownership of them is temporary. Help us to be able to recognize that and to steward that well. Lord, I pray for a blessing over my friend today as you call them to be good stewards of the blessings you've given them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, friends, thanks for listening. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you in your walk with God, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. 
You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, bonus content, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you. Know that you are so loved. Keep going. Keep going.